take a moment to say hi to our neighbors. Say, neighbor, you're welcome. Amen. Amen. I'm happy to see you. Amen. 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 Father, we thank you. Jesus, we exalt your name. We thank you for mercy. We thank you for kindness. We thank you, Father, that we are here again. Uh, how many of us are happy to be here? Amen. Um, I'm excited as well. Amen. The Lord has been faithful to us. The Lord has been merciful. The Lord has been kind. It's worth giving thanks to the Lord for. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Father, we thank you. Um, we thank God for, for grace. Amen. Hope well, we had a blessed night. Amen. Amen. I like this uh, twinning jacket. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Um, uh, I guess we can go into the word. Now, just uh, start with uh, 
with a word of prayer. And for some reason, you know, I just felt maybe I should maybe stand today. I feel like standing. I don't feel like sitting, so. Amen. Amen. I'll see, I'll see what that looks like. Maybe it's a different, uh, a different expression. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Father, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you. Amen. Um, okay. Hope we're all doing good. Okay. Okay. Love to see our, our faces. Amen. Okay. Good to see your, your beautiful face. You're looking beautiful. Uh-huh. And... Uh, can we appreciate uh, Brad Kelvin and uh, Titovia here, my wife? Thank you so much for for helping us. Amen. Amen. If they leave me alone with that uh, mixer, it's going to be a catastrophe. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Thank God for for help. Amen. Uh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Are we ready for the word? Okay. Hope we are. Hope we are happy. We're doing great. <laughs> okay. Okay. Amen. Uh, it's good to be excited, uh, and hopefully nothing is weighing us down you know, in our heart. Uh, you know, sometimes our hearts can be heavy, right? But the Lord is merciful. The Lord is kind. So just look more towards the the faithfulness of God, and look towards just the the consolation. That is in the spirit. Amen. 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 Uh, and most of the time we, we look a lot about our shortcomings. But that's, that's, that's not really the, the position we should take in the spirit. If, of course we should be in touch with our uh, infirmities. But it shouldn't, be the, it shouldn't be what is on top. What should be in front is the, the pursuit of grace. Amen. Uh, there's a difference when we are positioned to pursue grace and when uh, we are positioned to be perfect by our own strength. Amen. There are two different things. Being perfect by our own strength has a lot. I mean, it might sound the same if we're talking about being in the spirit or not, right? When we're trying to be perfect according to uh, the race that is before us. But although it sounds the same, it's not. The difference is in the heart, right? So it's not more about, oh, I want to be perfect, and then we are arranging everything. You know, okay, I'm doing this one, I'm doing that one, I'm doing this one, I'm doing that one. That's not really where it is. It's in the spirit. Amen. And, where you, and how you know it's there is when you begin to feel grace in the heart, right? When you begin to receive grace in our heart for, for things, Right, uh-huh. there's no matter how much arrangement and how things look perfect, if the the word God wants to get to is the shift in the heart, heart shift, heart change, right? Because without the heart shifting, you can't get access to spirit. When spirit, where spirit wants to rest, it's not in our head, it's not in our mind, it's in our heart. So we should be encouraged, right? That the way into life eternal is more about heart movement, change of nature, change of perspective, change of where the thing really is a lot is 
uh, in our own righteousness, there's a lot in there that the Lord needs to shift. The Lord needs to shift our righteousness. Some of our righteousness, we actually get it. You know, depending on where we are, we can get it in the world. Even if we are working in the world of righteousness, it's possible to also get our own kind of righteousness in there. Right? Because, and, uh, you know, maybe the way we are pursuing after it, we have a picture of perfection. Right? The picture of perfection does not come from you. It comes from the spirit by citing a nature. So when we see that, we realize that we're actually helpless. Right? It is now by relying on the help of God, which God gives as grace, that's what releases help. Amen. Like Paul besought the Lord, uh, my grace is, so he said, I besought the Lord three times. Then the Lord answered and said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So let's be encouraged. Let's be, let's be, uh, let's be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Amen. 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 Um, okay. I want us to, maybe we'll just start, I'll see where the Lord will lead us today. Um, in my heart, I just wanted to, in a way, just continue um, perhaps on Tuesday, right, what we started on Tuesday, just concerning uh, journeying into life in the spirit, really. Amen. Uh, now, just read from, uh, let me read from Galatians, okay, chapter, I know we wanted to read Galatians last week, but we couldn't, but I'll just pray that Father Lord Jesus, we've come before you again this morning, and we are asking for for help today, we ask, Lord, that by your mercy you would shine your light here in the name of Jesus. Lord, we want an encounter with your spirit. We want an encounter with your life. We want, we want, to, we want a, a change of positioning in the spirit today because we come before you in all meekness and lowliness of heart. Lord, help us to find the entrance in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that this morning you would help me. You will help my infirmities. Father, we pray that you will help me with help this afternoon to speak your heart in the name of Jesus, to pick your spirit this afternoon and to release that which you have designed for us in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Give you all the praise. Give you all the glory and adoration. Amen. We say, be thou exalted. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I surrender in all meekness. I come in the order of submission. I come and I submit to you, submit to your spirit. In heart, I submit totally, not looking for my own way or teach my own things, but Father, to be able to pick the very thing that is in your heart and speak it. Help, Father. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Father, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. We give you all the praise. For in Jesus' precious name, we have prayed.
Amen. Uh, can we open to the book of Galatians chapter chapter 3? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm praying that the Lord would would help us this morning. Amen. So, I read from verse 1. It says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you, that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only will I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Amen. So are ye so foolish, having what begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain? If it be yet in vain, he therefore that ministered to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Amen. Um. Praise the Lord. Where I want to start from is verse 3. It says, Are ye so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Amen. And uh, where I want to start is that aspect of uh, beginning in the spirit. Say, Having begun in the spirit, are ye now made perfect? By the flesh. Amen. Amen. Now this in a way is talking concerning the the positioning of the Galatians. Amen. Amen. Now, of course, one thing that I want us to take note of is he started he said to them, Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect in the flesh? Say, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect in the flesh? Meaning that these Galatians, uh, in a way, were not just, um, it, it shows, or let me put it this way, it shows that the Galatians have moved into the, the curriculum of the teachings of the spirit, right? Uh, because you know, not all not all begins in the spirit, right? Now, the beginning here that they are talking about is a beginning of a, of a particular life, a different kind of living, right, that every believer must come into and must begin in. Amen. Now, when we get born again, the Lord does not count that really as having begun in the spirit. Amen. Now, although there is a preparation of the spirit 
when we begin or by being born again. There's a preparation of the spirit that begins at that point. But it doesn't mean that life in the spirit really has begun. Amen. Now, life in the spirit begins when a soul by mercy has found entrance into the kingdom, has found entrance into the things that uh, pertain to life in the spirit. Amen. No, a lot of times we, uh, we, we I think we, we miss the, the, the actual definition of what it means to actually live in the spirit, right? Life in the spirit, living in the spirit. And that's a lot, that's one of the things that was uh, misconception, that was a lot of things we had a misconception about. Or perhaps we didn't have enough growth to understand that life in the spirit is a different uh, curriculum, is a different culture than just being exposed to the spiritual realm, right? Being exposed to the spiritual realm is a preparation, in a way, is a kind of preparation for life in the spirit because it takes being exposed to the spirit, right, in the spiritual realm, of course, but when I say spiritual realm, I'm talking about the, the activities of the Holy Ghost that begins in a believer, right? When a believer gets born again, one of the things that happens is the world of the spirit that was, that was, that was, uh, the world of the spirit that was, is he hidden from the sight, right? Now, although everyone walking on the earth, right, they have, they are, they are actually interacting with the spiritual. They are not interacting with the natural, even though they are in the natural. Now, the truth of the matter is that every life really is calibrated in the spirit, right? Uh, even when it comes to uh, unbelievers, there's also a life in the spirit for them. Now, what, what men, the truth of the matter, what men actually have is a life in the spirit before they get born. It's a kind of life in the spirit, which, ha- which also has its beginning, right? Which also has its destination. Amen. And of course, uh, the beginning of that kind of life Right, is a different is a different kind of beginning, right? Because uh, in that in that in that uh, in that sphere, Satan has perfected the 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 course of men on earth. He has perfected that. He has set it, and it has been perfected. Amen. Now, when a child is born, by default, there's a way the child would grow. If you remove the spiritual influence of God upon that child through the parent, right? What the work that is actually given to parent is to actually slow down, if possible, remove the curriculums that Satan has set for souls to begin in. Every every soul, every child of uh, that is born, has is designed to enter into a course. Right? There are courses in the spirit, all kind of courses in the spirit. There's the courses for the course of life in God, and there's another course right, on this earth, not just earth alone, in the flesh, let me put it that way. There's a course in the flesh right, that souls 
by default just take if they are not exposed to another cause, which is the cause of God in the spirit. Amen. So generally, souls begin a cause. Once they are born, they just start learning a cause when they get to a point. So there's a point where when we're born again, uh, sorry, when a child is born, it gets to a point of almost an age of accountability that the moment they land there, they begin to learn all the courses in this world. Spirit, even before they get to that age, they have been, spirits are trying to position them for that life. So the moment they get to an age of accountability, then they just, their spirit dies. Right? Which is why they have to be born again, again. If their spirit, because the child that is born, their spirit is innocent, is not dead, is still alive to God. God, God does not send a dead spirit into a body. God sends a spirit that is alive. Right? So God sends a spirit to the body. And then at some point, that spirit will die. And then what takes over, right, is the causes that is in the world. What actually takes cause is the soul, right? Is the soul that learns causes. Souls take causes, they begin to learn, right? Now the spirit, when you say the spirit is dead, it's dead to God. Now it means that they are in a way, right, alienated, removed from the influence of causes in the spirit that is designed for souls to come to God. Amen. Every, every course in the spirit is actually a design of a journey, of a coming, going somewhere. Amen. It's a design of a coming. Souls must come. Every soul is going somewhere. Every soul is journeying somewhere in the spirit. There is, if, you, if you move into the realm of the spirit and you look, there is no soul that you see that is devoid of a destination. When you look into the spirit, what you begin to see is just souls moving this way and that way and that way and this way. Right? But the scripture tells us that every way has a, has a destination. Right? One is destruction. One is life. Right? And they were telling us straight is the gate, narrow is the way. Right? And then they said broad is the way that leadeth on to perdition, on to destruction. That's what scripture says, right? So we have different causes, but the moment a soul is born, they get to a point where they begin to learn causes. That's the, the, the prince of the power of the air are set. Now, the prince of the power are set causes in the spirit that so stake, but it doesn't mean that souls are totally removed from the spiritual realm. Well, that one, you can't really remove the soul from it. Whether, whether anybody believes it or not, every soul is spiritual. It's the nature of the soul. So even though, because maybe they are not Christians, or even if you are not Christians, you see a lot of people give their soul to spiritual things, to spiritual uh, pursuit, right? Some don't care about it, even though they are still, uh, even though they are still, uh, the, the activity of the soul that is interacting with this world, right? Which they, in a way, have a position, I don't care about it. 
But whether they care or not, they are taking that course. Then you have souls that they delve into uh, diabolical things because they are in search of the spiritual. The truth of the matter is that what they need really is God. Uh, I think, I don't know which, uh, there's a comment I read during the uh, single summit, right? Which, in a more, the sense really is that, so every soul has a place it's going. You just have to choose, right? You just have to choose where you're going to end up. I mean, pretty much is that whether you like it or not, hunger is part of the soul. The problem is that Satan has deceived soul, different souls on how to spend themselves, right, to get that which satisfies. It's just Satan that has deceived souls. But in naturally, right, every soul must be, every soul has hunger somewhat. When you see a soul that is not hungry for God, it's not because they are not hungry. It's not because they just don't like God. The issue is that something else has taken up what is meant for God. When a soul is not hungry for God, check it. They are hungry for something else. It's not, it's not difficult to find. It's, not, it's easy. If, if, the, if any soul is not hungry for God, it is hungry for something else. So I'm not talking about maybe you are, uh, you are well, of course, you know, I'm not talking about Christians that maybe they feel, oh, they are journeying and, oh, no, no, I'm not matching up. Not, not, those, not that, right? For you to even have a sense that, oh, ah, I'm not joining. Okay, okay, there's something there, right? There is some awakening, right? Because that's another place that, that's another place that we, we what's it called? We, we get stuck in because, ah, oh, my, I'm not, okay, we know. Then all of a sudden, then you start thinking, ah, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not, I'm not up to par. Okay, we know you are, you are trying to work on your salvation. Awesome. But the judgment you are doing really, it's not, it's not that way. It's not, you are not, you are not dead like that. I mean, that doesn't mean that you can't move into perdition, you can't move into death in some way. But at least you are still alive to some measure of desire for God. Right? You still want to work out your salvation. You are, and that's, you are still alive in a way. There are souls that, when you bring God near their doorstep, they'll tell you, see, I love God. You know, there are different souls. You know, souls are different. Than, I love God, though. I like him. But see, there's something I'm pursuing. Let me pursue that first. Once I get it, I'll come back to God. That's one. There's another. You bring God near that doorstep, they'll tell you, uh, I don't think I want this. Please go away. Some, you bring God near their doorstep, they'll tell you, um, okay, is God going to be there tomorrow? Okay, 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 I'll try and be there. Right? Then, yeah, ah, where are you? Then they're like, oh, I have a program. I have something I have to quickly go do there. What's happening? They are shifting. And, it's, it's, and funny enough, so, so, so those souls, it's not, those souls are not so that are actually devoid of some kind of demand. Most of the time, it's not evident, right? But what is really speaking? And God is also helping all of us, right? Because it's not as if we are totally free of those things. What speaks to many is just their own, some, some kind of pursuit lost inside 
that they may not be awoken to. Some are awoken to it, some are not. It's just some, everybody is pulled by their lust. Right? So there is, a, there is a pool within the heart that pulls souls away. Right? It just takes souls away. When you say, oh yeah, give, give your life. Give, give it. Submit it to God. He'll tell you, ah, I know if I submit this life to God now, there's a lot of things I won't get quickly. But I want it quickly. That can result in different things. Excuses about, okay, I'll come later. Or... Excuse about, ah, I'll come, then you won't see it. Souls have different ways. But the things about that is, in the end, when they appear before God, they are going to have an, they have to answer. So when I came to you, you did not open your door to me. Okay, what was your excuse? Will the excuse, now, imagine, will the excuse be, eh, I had... A program, or I had a place I have to go to, then I couldn't come to see. No, that's not, that won't be the excuse. How would that be even justified? None of those things are justified before God. God does not take such things. What matters is, okay, I came to you. Did you take me or not? Do you even have any desires for me? Amen. So every soul has hunger. There's no soul without hunger. The question is, what are they hungry for? Even for unbelievers, mm? unbelievers too, they have a hunger. Check it. There is no unbeliever without an hunger. In short, the hunger, right, is evident everywhere. It's evident. That one, that one is the most, it seems invincible, but it's so visible. But it's visible, but yet invincible. Because that's also what Satan is a master of. He's a master of hiding things, putting things where men can't easily reach it. Amen. In short, for you and me, that's what Satan is doing. Most of us, we don't even know where Satan has kept things. So the, the things you know now that you think, ah, I'm working on, okay, thank God for that. That's not even, that's not, that, that's not even our, most, of, most of the deadly troubles we are, we are facing. Those one we should even thank God that we are seeing them. Right? But there are things Satan has kept that it takes the sight of everlasting life to unveil. Right? It's un- like, you know, Reverend has been teaching around that line in the sense that some, iniqui- some things called iniquity or sin, you don't see that until you actually land in the everlasting world. It's a different world of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because that's Satan's last card. That's one you won't see, you can't see it. You that's why we should be asking God for mercy every single day. You can't, it's not possible. You can't see it. How can you see it? You can't. It's not possible. That aspect is why we should be meek in every way, shape, or form. Unless you are sitting on the throne and all perfect, then awesome, great. There those, those kind of sin, you, iniquity, that one you can't. It's not possible. It's when you move into the land where the Lord can give sight the wisdom that can handle those things, that those Satan will just begin to awaken those things. The things we can do, we don't know when we get there. We don't. Because it's as a time you're like, ah, wait, oh. it still means I'm still behaving like this. Ah, what's going on? I thought, you know, we've had that kind of experience, maybe in Christ and things like that. But there's another one in everlasting life whereby it's all going to be made visible. 
is at that time Satan is fighting his last card. He's saying that, no, 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 I won't let you. Satan knows what Satan is, is stopping really is your journey in the spirit. What Satan has is targeting is your journey in the spirit. Is your coming. What Satan is fighting is your coming. Is your coming to God. Is your coming. And this is why we should also be wise in a way. I think I just wanted to say this. is you know, Most of the time, when you think about God and your sin, sometimes you want to move back. That's what Satan has designed. The, the, the way the Lord has designed it is that when you need him, you should have, when you realize, ah, I need God, is more to move towards him, not to draw back. But the reaction of the soul is, no, I'm not, I'm not holy enough. That's, that's the righteousness of that flesh in there. It's the righteousness of a flesh that is rising up, right? But because we don't have wisdom to know that that thing is Satan, we can easily just drop back. You know, that's how souls will start counting their, their worthiness to God by how much they perceive that they are perfect. In short, you can have believers that their their judgment of righteousness and righteous living, life in the spirit, is actually by the design of how they have calculated, okay, this one is good, that one is good, that one is good. But it's not by that. It's by mercy. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I wonder why it's making noise. Um, Praise the Lord. It's by mercy. It's by mercy. Most Most of the things that uh, uh, our shortcomings that you are seeing is actually in a way, is is a, I don't know how to put it, is almost a way of design that God has said that souls must come to him. Now, the way God designed it is that when you realize any shortcoming, it should actually strengthen you to go to God. Right? It's actually what? Strengthening you to go to God. Ah, God, have mercy on me. Help me with this thing. Right? It should actually come closer to God. You see that design? Does the Lord knows that you are fault? Yes, it does. But does he, but what else is he looking at? Okay, I'm not saying you should leave this thing there, but come to me. Don't go away. You going away is not the right step to come. Now, the word drawback, right, is, is actually a statement they use for souls in a kind of course. Amen. Amen. It's what they use for souls in a, in a kind of course. Right? When souls are drawing back, it's actually a different, it's a different life that has taken over. Right? It's a different life that has taken over. The life that God is giving, now, we, we, we know by now for sure, right, that when we are journeying to God, we are not going, we are not going to look like, as the beginning, we are not going to look like the most perfect man on earth. It's not like that. How can we even be perfect? We've not journeyed to perfection. And what perfection even means is not what you and I would judge as perfection. 
You know, the judgment, when we talk about that, that, it takes a kind of wisdom and sense to judge what perfection is, right? What it will take to actually descend perfection is spirit, right? If, if, they, if they ask every soul now, how do you know you are perfect? You know, most of the time, most of our questions in what of writers or teachings is, okay, how do I know I'm now in Christ? I don't know. Okay, wait. The way to know is not, if you can define it like, okay, I am doing this, doing this, doing this. The truth of that, that thing we've just said is not it. That's just the way it is. Why? Because the answer is in the spirit. Right? Of course, um, what, the, what the sign that you are moving into perfection will be is what, what you see really as a sign, right, that you are in righteousness, you are having the right judgment, is fruit. It's fruit. It's not the seed. The seed does not tell you anything. But we know the seed a lot. That seed area, we are, we are good. We are awesome in that area. Because seed has to do with precept. When it comes to seed sowing, is a lot of precepting. Because, like, like I was saying, uh, the, way, the way precept was defined to me by the Spirit is that precept is what comes before the real thing. Right? What is the precept? So what is the precept of... Uh, an engineer is all the trainings that come that sums up to form the nature of engineering in the soul that give the spirit of engineering, right? Now, when you are sowing seed, it's, it feels spiritual. There's a lot of spiritual activities going on. There's a lot of knowledge, insight into things going on. But that alone is not enough. Why? Because that seed can still die. Right? But now this, what, how... The Lord has defined how you know souls are journeying in the spirit. Is what the Lord said to, how do you know false prophets? He said, by their fruit, you shall know them. Who are false prophets? It's not just prophets that are preaching outside, right? That are saying, the Lord is coming and the Lord not come, right? It's not prophet that starts, they will call believers and throw them on the, on the floor and then walk upon them and say, yeah, I prophesy to you, oh, yeah, drink a gallon of petrol and not die. You know, that's not just false prophet, right? I mean, of course, we have false prophet in that degree, right? But false prophet is not just that. It's much, much, much more than that. A false, the truth of the matter is that souls can be, any soul can be a false prophet. Is a false prophet is a prophet that have all the things. A false prophet is a prophet that have all the things that looks like a prophet, but is not. Right? In short, a false prophet is a soul that should have journeyed to be prophetic, but is but somehow draw back. That's a false prophet. A false prophet is a false prophet is a, is a prophet that has, in a way, by mercy, some kind of mercy, descend some entrance into a kind of life in everlasting, but then decide to draw back. That's a false prophet. 
And when, when is a false prophet, you, you realize that false prophecy has to do with journeying and natures in the spirit. So a false prophet can come, you see, if, how do I put it, is the, the scripture that is coming to me is having a form of godliness denying the power. Right? Meaning that having a form of godliness is that they have something. Now, having a form of godliness shows that that kind of soul has some kind of precept. It has a form of godliness. You can't have a form of godliness without God being involved. Right? You know, when we're defining having a form of godliness, you know, ah, okay, you, we tend to look into the world, but not really. If you want to see that, move into the world of believers that are journeying. It's in our world. It's not in the world of unbelievers can't have a form of godliness. They can't. It's not possible. It's not possible to have a form of godliness if you don't know God. It's not possible. How will you get it? Where will you find it from? Godliness is what takes you out of the world. How do you, how do you, you are in the world, how do you get out? You have to know something. But you have a form of godliness. Now you're now denying its power. There's a power in godliness. It's divine power. So when you move to godliness and then you deny it, you'd actually draw back. Right? It means that you deny, when you deny divine power, you want to move into everlasting life. You can have a form of godliness. It means you have been built in a way up onto godliness. But now there's a power that needs to rest on godliness Right, which is divine power. And that power is actually the power to take up. It takes souls up into the spirit further. Right? It takes souls up into the spirit, just like I said to John. And he took me into the spirit. Right? And like uh, Revelations, right? 21, 22, thereabout. Right? And he took me into the spirit. They began to see the, the city of the Lord coming, right? But when it comes to false prophecy, false prophecy is, is really talking about, what I want to draw out of there is that he's really talking about souls journeying, right, in the spirit. They are already journeyers. So when it comes to false prophet, it has to do with those that has to, to, to that, has, that has found somehow a way in righteousness, Right? Now, you have such prophet, right? False. They, they are false. And how do you determine a false prophet? Is that by their fruit, you shall know them. Now, so that the Lord is trying to tell us that how do you, how do you discern? How do you see life in the spirit? Is you trace it by its fruit. Does it, first of all, is it peaceable? Right? Is it precious? What kind of fruit is this soul bearing? So when you talk about fruit, those are the time you now begin to talk about certain things. Amen? When you talk about certain things, when you talk about fruit, you know this area of fruit, we don't really touch it much. Right? The area of fruit is ought to be our world. 
actually, the, the world of fruit is the world of spirit. If you've not journeyed to fruit in every seed that is being received, really, you've not actually apprehended the life. You've not apprehended spirit. What you, we can have, the thing is, we can have a lot of seed concerning precept. Right? We can have a lot. And if, that, that was one thing that scared me, that it's possible you can, we can have so many precepts but no spirit. I then discovered that to actually get spirit, right, honestly, you can't, you can't, you can't make a decision to get it. Right? You can't. How you get spirit is actually by training. They have to subdue you to a way. You, it's not possible for you to get spirit without being subject to a way. Now, meaning, and the word I use is subject, right? We have to be subject to the father of spirit. Right? Should we not, I mean, what's that? That's, that's um, Hebrews, uh, is it 10 or 12? Hmm. Verse, verse 12, verse, let me read from verse 6. Say, for whom the Lord loveth, I thank God. I think this scripture actually explains what I was trying to say, right? In verse, Hebrews 12, verse 5. It says, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. Amen. Despise not what? The chastening of the Lord. Now, the chastening of the Lord is not that the Lord is carrying his stick and hitting you on the head. So, despite not the chastening of the Lord. The chastening of the Lord has to do with training. It's training. It has to do with training. When you, maybe you move and then the, the spirit withdrew from you. Say, uh-uh, uh-uh. Okay, what have I done wrong? Okay, okay. It's actually learning of a way. The Lord does not do that to accuse you. Get? When the Lord, when the Lord is chastising you, he's not accusing you. What? Because accusation has to do with a different... You can't find that kind of word in the mouth of God. Right? You can't find accusation in his mouth. What you find is chastening. Correction, right? But those, you know, those things, chastening, correction, they have their spirit, right? Now, if somebody that wants to correct does not have the spirit of God, they won't correct. They will accuse, right? Now, when the soul begins to accuse, a sign. Mm, what life? What fruit am I bearing? Is a different. Is a different kind of fruit. And it does not matter what the uh, accusation is all about. The thing is that, okay, what is flowing? No, this is not from... God does not accuse. What he does is he corrects. And again, you see where the instruction comes, he correct in love, right? When the Lord is chastening souls, he does not carry your sin, right? And, and put it in your face and say, this is your sin, no. Therefore, I reject you. No. The, the statement you hear in God is more of, ah, grace. See this thing. 
do it again. No, it's a different form of it's a different form of chastening. The Lord can make it clear to you. Oh, I'm not happy with that. He can make it clear. Ah, I'm not happy with that. But when you check it, check this. Check it. His spirit. Sometimes when we get the Lord wrong, it's our spirit that is at. Is, when I say our spirit, our, our soul. Right? That's the way we react to God. Maybe because ah. The Lord is just not pleased. There's a way we can quickly react. Perhaps when we want to be perfect in a way. But not really. That's not, that's not the way it is in the spirit. Right? When the Lord is correcting or chastening, he's making it clear. He's, and it's very specific. The Lord does not chastise you about one billion things and you don't have a clear direction as to what he's saying. No. Sometimes that is accusation running. You know, sometimes you feel guilty about things. That, ah, did it, and all kinds of thoughts can be running through your mind. That's not the Lord. It's, that can be as, as a sign of us, ourselves, running away from the Lord. That, okay, ha, I've missed it. Okay, let me quickly do this so that I can make it well in, in the sight of God. No, calm down. There's no race. Calm down, okay. The thing is, okay, what is the, what's the Lord displeased with? What's my response? That's the way. Amen. So, when the Lord is chastening, there's a, there's a, what, what I wanted to say, what I wanted to bring out is grace. Now, as they said in, uh, as they said in uh, Songs of Solomon, right? Say, grace is poured into your lips. They're talking about Christ, right? Say, grace is poured into your lips. So grace is poured into his lips. Now, imagine someone that has grace in their, in their lips. Right? Will, do you think it will be accusation or condemnation? Another word for that is condemnation. Right? No, it's not. That's why the scripture says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ, who walk after the spirit. So meaning that if you are walking after the spirit, you won't, the Lord still correct, he still chastise, but it's in love and it's to bring you closer. It's to everything the Lord does, no matter what it is, is to actually bring you closer to Him. If you identify something around God that ah perhaps maybe I shouldn't have done this so see that thing you just identified, is to actually bring you closer. Why? Because when you identify it, the Lord is just removing the things that limit you. Most of the time, we don't know things that limit us to God. Most of the time, we don't know things that actually resist us. They, sometimes they have to bring heaven to arrange, which is why we should be, we should be sensitive to trainings, movement, arrangement, subjection to the spirit. Amen. That subjection, right, have to do with two things too. With, which is, when you are going through training and dealings, you have two things to do. You have to believe and then you have to be willing. Right? You have to be willing. That willing aspect is where war is. Because that willing aspect is, this, is, is, where, is, the, is the seat of spirit. Know what willingness is. So, willingness is did, okay, let's say, let, the example that is coming to mind is, let's say you know, somebody can offend you and you are willing to forgive, right? But somebody can offend you, but you are, not, you are okay forgiving 
but you are not willing to forgive. What's the difference? The difference is that the heart posture towards the forgiveness. Why? Because if you are willing, it removes every wrong. It's just now more out of love. Right? That is the, that's willing. But here's the thing. If ye be obedient and willing, you shall eat the good of the land. So there's a way we should actually go through the course. If we don't go through that route, we won't land in the spirit where we should land. That's the problem. Right? We can, and funny enough, we can be getting almost everything right. Okay, yes, I'm supposed to do this, I'm supposed to do that. Okay, but the route into the spirit was not taken. Now that there's a lot of layers of things in the spirit that is not so obvious. Right? Imagine believing and willing. You know, willing, you'll be wondering, mm, once I believe I'm already willing now, Abby, but not really. Willing is a different aspect. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, there is the, there is the aspect of the Lord, right, training us in, part, part of that training is chastisement, like the scripture says. Amen. Let me read it further because uh, of time. Say, thou shalt, okay, Despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Right? The Lord can rebuke. Amen. For whom the Lord loveth, he chastiseth. You see what I'm saying? That the chastisement is actually out of love. Right? The rebuke is out of love. Right? Endure the chastening. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son? Amen. For what son is he whom the father chastiseth not? I Meaning part of our training is that the Lord will rebuke, he will correct. Amen. Lord will what? He will rebuke and he will correct. So in our nature we should not be we should not be Afraid should not be repulsive to the Lord when, when in the aspect of chastening. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, but if ye be without chastisement, wherefore are all partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. So furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them Reverence, shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? Amen? Amen. We should be in what? In subjection to the Father of spirit and live. So it means that the training, what I was saying earlier, like the training of, of fruit bearing has to do with subjection. Subjection is part of it. Should we not... Now, see, all this chastisement that they're talking about won't happen if a soul is not subject to the Father of Spirit. Right? If a soul is not subject to the Father of Spirit, it can't. It's not possible, right, for that soul to arrive at fruit bearing. It won't. Amen. Fruit bearing is... Fruit bearing is the evidence of our journey. 
And that's what tells. That's the, that's the teller. That's the revealer of, of our exploit in the spirit. If you see souls making exploit in the spirit, what you'll see is that they are bearing fruit. Right? If you take the vine, if you take the vine as an example, you see that it will not bear wild fruit. Wild, it will not be wild grapes. It will be fruit, uh, peaceable, not wild. Right? It will be peaceable. Fruit of righteousness. It will be peaceable. Right? We have to bear fruit of life. Then we have to bear fruit of peace. Amen. In bearing fruit is what tells that souls are actually journeying in the spirit. Journeying in the spirit. We are moving in the spirit. We are bearing fruit means we are actually coming to God. Amen. We are actually coming to God. We have to bear fruit. That's how you know them. That's how you tell. So it's not by... If, if you have souls, the smartest souls, you see, okay, smartest spiritual souls, let me put it that way, that can tell, okay, do this, do this, do this, do this, you're righteous. I mean, that was, and again, like I'm saying, I'm not saying that we won't have some sense of what is right, what is wrong. You get? But, that, what that, but that comes from your spirit through training, through leadings. Right, you move into a world where okay, okay, in a way you can, but when it now comes to okay, how much have I, how much have I grown? Okay, now I'm here, here, here. What the what tells that is your fruit. It's your fruit, amen. I just want to center around that a bit. Is the fruit, amen? Why? Because when you see language in scripture. You have language in scripture. You have language of seed, right? You have language of seed sowing. Then the, what follows is the language of fruit bearing, right? Now, if you don't, if, if you don't use fruit, okay, say building, raising, right? So that's another thing. So you have framing. You have building, being raised. Now, a building, a, a building that has been raised, is a building that has fruit. If a building is, or if a foundation, you know, we have, we have different buildings in the spirit. We have different raisings. You have different comings. You have different journeys. Right? You have just Holy Ghost kind of, of framing. Right? Which has its own fruit. Right? But when you not talk about that, that, the kind of fruit you have there, when you talk about Holy Spirit, is not is not it's not a fruit in the spirit yet, but it has some kind of resemblance to it, right? For example, love and faith towards all the saint. No love and faith in 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 all his spirit. It's different from love and faith. You know, you have love and faith both in the spirit. You have love and faith in Christ. Amen. You have love and faith there. They are yardsticks. The, the, the yardstick in the spirit to measure journeys is actually love and faith. How much of your faith? How much of your love? Amen. Praise the Lord. 
Those are yardsticks in the spirit. Now, when you have faith and love, when faith and love is well used, you have fruit. You have what? You have fruit bearing. You bear fruit. Now, here's one thing. You don't just bear fruit for yourself. Right? When you talk about bearing fruit, is you don't bear the fruit for yourself to eat from. It's actually not that you're actually bearing fruit for someone. You say, but your fruit, okay, Ishan. Okay, great, awesome. You're bearing fruit. Okay, you've borne some fruit. Okay, sorry, who's going to eat it? Or are fruit supposed to just come and then fall and perish? No, that's only design of fruit. If you check it, every fruit-bearing tree is bearing fruit so that somebody can eat it. Some fruits you and I don't eat. You have animals that eat them. For example, there's the one red fruit that Kevin wanted to eat around the yard. I think, yeah, it was you. Know, I was like, mm, is that thing edible? I'm like, ah, I don't know about Tito. Those, that red tree beside the house there. But funny enough, you have all those squirrels that can come and grab on some of those things and they, they'll take it. So you have, you have things that eat. Every fruit has its eater. There's no fruit that is useless. Absolutely no fruit that is useless. Right? Everyone, you and I may not eat some, but... No fruit is, but the truth of the matter is that every fruit, or, or let me put it this way, fruits are edible. Is there a fruit that is not edible? Do you know of any fruit that is not edible? For it to be classified as fruit, you have to be edible somehow. Amen. Eh? What revelation is that now? Yes, yes. True. It's edible. So every fruit is edible in a way. Right? It's true. Every fruit is edible. It may, be, it may not be edible to him, but the fruit that, because every soul is a tree. Right? Like the saying, you will be the, the planted, the, you'll be trees of righteousness, the planted love the Lord. Right? So pretty much, the Lord wants to plant you as a tree. So they, and when they plant a tree, they plant the seed. Then the other part is that it must bear fruit and is edible. Now, the fruit that you bear is for God to drink. It doesn't mean that your brethren around you won't enjoy it. But the fruit is not for them. But they can partake of it, right? Because they are your brethren. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So they are your brethren, so they can partake of the fruit. They can eat of the fruit. But it doesn't mean that the fruit really is for them. But there's no way they won't partake of that fruit because you are bearing it. But the actual person the fruit is for is God. So when we are thinking about fruit, fruit, fruit bearing, we should actually think about God more. 
So there's a perspective which you have about food bearing. So sometimes we, we, we can look at it from, it's for my brethren. So when I bear this fruit, my brethren will partake, okay, no, no, we think more in a brethren sense. But it's actually more than that. When we are bearing fruit, the true eater and, and who is going to partake of that fruit is God. Because what is he waiting? He's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. Right? It's God that wants to bear fruit. But the Lord does not eat wild grapes. He eats sweet wine, sweet vine. He does not take wild grapes. There are some fruit, right, that the Lord can take. But the only one that is, the one that the scripture tells us, but you know, you must have been bearing fruit all the way, right from when you begin in the spirit. Amen. Praise the Lord. When you what? Begin in this spirit. There is fruit you are positioned to start bearing. But, but that doesn't even mean that the Lord can take that one. Yeah, but, it's if he, but the Lord considered it a good fruit. It's good. Okay, that's good. Then the Lord is waiting again for the fruit that is good to become perfect. Right? Then when it is perfect, right, is now becoming precious. Then when it's now precious, the Lord can start smelling that fruit. Meaning that there are some, and again, of course, I'm talking about journeying, right, coming. As we come, we are bearing some kind of fruit, right? So the Lord is waiting. So the Lord is waiting. All the fruits we have been bearing, it's not a waste. It's not a waste. Because we're wondering, ah, okay, does that mean everyone, the Lord? Okay, it's not a waste. It's a preparation to get, you know, when you have, when you have, when you are making wine, right? I know Kevin knows a lot about wine making, right? I mean, I've heard some chat about it, you know, or he talks a lot about wine, right? So you know some things. But you notice that every wine has its taste. They all they don't all have the same kind. Right? And sometimes when you take a kind of wine, mm, I don't like this one. Then you can take another, mm, I don't like this one. Then you can take another, ah, I like that one. Right? It means that there's a way that all of those wines are processed. And Part of what makes the pro- what part of the process is also the, the kind of fruit used for each of the wines, the fruit, the process, which gives a kind of taste, right? <laughs> so when we are going through process in the spirit, we are going through journeys. We are what we are actually producing is a kind of taste. Amen. Amen. Some of them mm, doable, good, usable, right? Which even though the Lord can't really take. Maybe if you share it to our brethren, it's okay. You get. The truth of the matter is that it's actually your brethren that will taste the fruit first, the wine first. All of your fruit will actually be pressed into a wine, which will give your brethren to drink. Right? Because your love first is to your brethren. Right? The commandment. You are first to brethren, then to God. 
There's two. So there's two sides. So it's almost like the Lord is using brethren to taste. If the fruit you are producing is wild for your brethren, the Lord is looking at you. There are places I can take you to. The Lord will be looking at, hey, okay, okay, all right. It's all right. You're still bearing fruit. It's all right. Uh, not all of it is bad. I'm not going to throw you away. But let me wait. Why? Because the Lord tests every heart. They must have the capability to bear his own kind of fruit for God to release himself. Amen. Now, when the Lord is testing, right, the Lord is taking souls through. When the Lord is trying, let me put this, when the Lord is trying to get some kind of fruit from a soul, the Lord has to take that soul through his own process. It has to be God's process, not yours. It has to be. Because, number one, we don't have the wisdom on how to press the wine, on how to, to process the wine or the fruit to get the right wine that the Lord wants to drink. There are some fruits Jesus can't drink before he even we get to God. Christ! There are some fruits Christ can't drink. He can't drink it. He'll be like, mm. Awesome. Amen. I'm remembering the first juice made. No, we try, we try, we did all we can to save that juice. <laughs> the first taste, ah! Hmm. The first taste of that, uh, ah! I'm like, no, 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 no. Something has to happen to this thing. Then we have to go and look for some kind of orange, you know, to add some kind of sweetness to that. It's a process the Lord is taking us to. Amen. Praise the Lord. And all these things actually talks about, see, the pressing, the process to arrive at the wine. See, that wine is spirit. You, you don't just get to spirit. You are processed to spirit. The processor is God and his ways. What God how you arrive at, you know, way spirit. So they use spirit to, to process souls to arrive at spirit, wine, to drink. Amen. So wine is spirit, we know that. So, but there's where we come from, which is fruit. So fruit, fruit, but fruit is not the beginning. Right? What begins really is the seed sowing, which in a way, like I was saying, we can, we can see that is some kind of precept for the wine. So the seed is a precept for the wine. Amen. When the seed is bearing fruit, right, it's arriving at spirit. Amen. When it's, when it's arriving there, then they process it to, to show what kind of spirit are you. How do you taste so the fruit, right, is what actually results to the wine. Amen. So heaven would process the fruit all by ways. It's all ways. Amen. But the Lord has to, there's a lot of things they have to do with precept, right? When they sow seed, there's watering. There is uh, fertilizing. There are fertilizers in the spirit. There is tending, Right? The Lord is, and the Lord is doing all that. 
It's short. That's the reason. The planting of the seed. No, it's not even us that plant. It's God. So when they are planting Christ, the sower start throwing seed there. That's a process. But we also have a part to play too. Right? Because depending all of these processes has, they have, they are not without our will. Like I was saying earlier, all of, all of this process, there's something that is constant that I'm saying because it's part of salvation, is that you must be obedient and willing. If obedience and willing aspect is missing in a way, this, the seed won't land in the, right, in the right soil. Right? If we are not obedient at all, right? It can fall on What's that, what's that first land? It can fall on uh, the wayside. Right? Then there's another which is on the uh, some fall, fell among thorns and thistles. Right? So they grew and then they choke. Some on the rock. Right? Which, excuse me, hats. At no grounding, right? Mm-hmm. But some fell on the good soil. Those are the different kind of hearts we can use to take seed. Amen. And depending on the one we position, that's 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 the that's first of all telling. Will this thing even arrive at fruit bearing? Right? Will it even arrive there? Because the only one that arrives at fruit bearing is the one that lands on the good soil. Meaning that if the seed is landing in our heart, there's no way it will arrive at food bearing at all if it doesn't land on the good soil. Now, when it lands on the good soil, there's now further processing or separations, right? Because you now have 30 food, 60 food, 100 food. Meaning that even in food bearing, you still have strength. You have some wine, not so strong. You have some wine, stronger. Then you have strong wines, right? 100% of fruit bearing. Amen. So how we tell, I think I've talked about this fruit bearing a little bit. So how we tell, right, really, that our journey in the spirit is by the fruit bearing. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So the fruit bearing aspect, right, is something that we must not neglect at all. We must have a positioning for fruit bearing. It must be part of our of our sight and focus when it comes to journeying in the spirit. Where we, are, where we are journeying to is in the spirit, which is fruit bearing aspect. The fruit bearing aspect is in the spirit. It's in the spirit. Everything that has to do with fruit bearing has to be in the spirit. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So I've read this scripture, right? I've read uh, subject, talking about subjection, right? I'm talking about fruit bearing, and I will bear fruit, right? For fruit bearing, ah, did I mention that? Because I was talking about subjection. I think I talked about subjection a bit, right? For us to, uh, yes, I was talking about the training. That is where subjection is. The, the how you arrive, right, at fruit, is that the most process, the most is training, and then for that to happen, souls must be willing. To be subject to the Father of Spirit. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. So we see, um, let me draw, go back to where I started from. I'll go back to Galatians chapter 
chapter 3. Amen. Mm. I think I branched from somewhere to just encourage our heart a bit. Um, I was, uh, I think I was talking about uh, the cost, right? I was talking about the cost of the world, and I said there's a cost for everyone, right? And then I started talking about our cost in the spirit. So there's a cost for everyone. Um, and Galatians chapter 3 says, having been gone in the spirit, and I was trying to define that aspect of beginning in the spirit, what does it really, really look like, right? Having been gone in the spirit. In a way, I think I've actually explained it. I don't know if I, it's clear enough, but beginning in the spirit, right, really, when you begin, uh, I think there's a, there's a part here that... Uh, amen. Yes, in chapter 2, just to talk about that beginning in the spirit aspect. So, having begun in the spirit, right? Having begun in the spirit, to begin in the spirit has to do with moving into the kingdom, right? That's the true beginning. In the spirit. And of course, that is the sphere of Christ, right? Then in chapter 2 of Galatians, I believe in verse 4, right? It was talking about false brethren, right? That came on our ways to spy their liberty in Christ Jesus. Amen. So these Galatians are not just new believers. It's clear that they're not just new believers. Somehow, somehow, they have begun in the spirit. Meaning that, I mean, it's possible they are just beginning. It's possible they've journeyed in the spirit. But one thing is certain that they are now in the spirit. Why? Because every journey must begin in the spirit. If it doesn't begin in the spirit, and this spirit that they are talking about here, that you realize it's not the small S, it's the capital S. Right? So meaning that have you having begun in the spirit, right? Now when you think about this spirit, you have to think about ways. Not just Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is a, is a holder of ways. Inside of him are world of ways. Inside of him are worlds of Growing seed, you know, for a seed, right? So, and has a thing, it has to be the spirit in our, in us, in our soul. That it has to, the seed has to land in the spirit, right? Because where it should land, right, requires some kind of atmosphere, right? So, for example, now if you throw a seed and you throw it into, uh, let's say, uh, what's okay, cactus can survive. In deserts, let's say you throw tomato seed in the desert, it won't grow. If you throw uh, coconut, coconut might, it doesn't need much water. I mean, you, you have coconut in oasis, right? Mm, you have cactus, okay, but uh, we'll talk about tomatoes, talk about 
orange. You won't find all of those in the desert. Now, the reason why you won't find them there is that the climate, in the, the environment is not conducive for that seed to grow. Right? It's not conducive. The right, the, the, the seed must land in the right atmosphere. So, for example, now in Nigeria, we have a, a good climate, right, for growing like tomatoes, um, vegetables, things. Even they go corn here, but it's not that great, right? But Nigeria, when you grow corn, you know that you've grown corn. I don't know about these ones here, man. In short, the truth of the matter is that the time, right, the environment. So part of that, right, you see, like timing is, for example, if you plant a corn here, the time it takes for it to grow properly is longer than the time they have to grow anything. That's why they are modifying every single thing. Right? So, for example, you want to grow something that will take like six, seven months. Can you plant a yam here in the summer? Or maybe after, a little bit after spring? Can you plant yam and it will grow? It takes time for yam to develop. Even corn, it takes time. But I don't know why they've not modified yam yet. But anyways, but... For corn, they've modified it such that they plant it so it can grow quickly and ripe quickly. But when you look at the seed, the corn that you are harvesting, most of them are not ripe somehow, right? I don't know what happened. But again, you notice that it has changed, right? Because the sweetness is not natural compared to the one we eat back home. They've modified the sweetness. Unless, they, unless they're saying that there's a species that was sweet like that before. But I but, uh, doubt it. That thing is modified. It's too sweet compared to, I mean, like, uh, how many, is this, things that are sweet like that are like orange. So they, they did something to the genetic makeup of the corns that they plant here, right? But why did they do that? It's because the environment is not conducive for it to grow in the time needed for it to grow. Some seed need time, right? And it means that it has to be in the right atmosphere, right, for the set time needed. Amen. So, so some of the seed that the Lord is planting in your heart, right, that maybe for some reason you're wondering, why has he not brown fruit? Can you just let spirit rest on it? Can you move into the spirit? Amen. Sometimes maybe, maybe some seed are not in the spirit yet in our heart. Amen. I don't know why I'm talking about seed and what I wanted to talk about well, actually was around coming and all those things, but, but this is still talking about coming in a way, right? But the, the, the seed, right, must land in the right soil, in the right temperature, in the right atmosphere for it to grow the way it should and come out awesome, nice, good to eat. So some seed needs time. Which is why when you look at it, you see that what, what part of what they were telling us, right? I believe it's in James, is that the husbandman patiently waiting for the precious fruit. Right? It's pa- meaning that he's not in a rush. 
right? He's patiently waiting. There's a lot of things, we ought to be honest, that we need to learn about the nature of God. When you think about the planter, do you ever see this side that is patiently waiting? I mean, yeah, God is patient, but I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm seeing it differently today. In it. Oh, okay, true. I mean, I know that the Lord is patient and all those things, but when it comes to the aspect of the Lord, even expecting you to be a fruit, right, he's, he's patiently waiting for you to arrive. But that doesn't mean that you should slow down. Right? No one says patiently waiting. They will go and sit down and then the Lord is waiting for me patiently and then we'll start eating popcorn and go to the beach. No. It's not about that. There's some seriousness to it that every soul must have. But we're not just going to relax and then, ah, the Lord will do it. No. There is that aspect, willingness, obedient. Because those are the requirements for eating of the good of the land. Right? And you can't be obedient and willing and sluggish. At heart, right? No, you have to be moving, diligent, right? Diligent in all that you do, being diligent. But there's a, just the, we just have there's an ingredient, or there's a there's a positioning we need, is the ability to move into the spirit, move into the spirit. See, the world of spirit is a world of heart. When you're talking about moving, to move into the spirit, is that, that's why they deal with heart, not mind. They don't deal with mind in the spirit. What they deal with is heart. Why? Because the heart, right, is the spirit of the soul. You know, it's spirit to spirit. They can't, deal, they can't take spirit for flesh, Right? You can't take spirit for flesh. It's spirit for spirit. For spirit. For spirit. Spirit must interact with spirit. So when they are t- dealing with us, they can't take spirit and deal with our, uh, what is about from flesh is there. Deal with, uh, well, flesh is the only thing I can say now because Galatians also saying, having begun in the spirit, are you not perfect in the flesh? Right? So it's not fleshy. It's not the flesh aspect that they want to see. They, they don't deal spirit with flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Amen. So the Lord is saying to us now clearly that he wants us to journey in this, to move. See that aspect? No, yes, the precept. Spirit, not the spirit around precept. Right? The beauty of journeying or coming to God is that as you are coming to precept, you must land in ways as well. You must land in ways. Ways must be land. And how you land in ways is that they must teach you with ways. And that's what I was saying earlier that you don't make yourself perfect, they make you perfect. Amen. But shall I shock you too? Do you know that for us to be made perfect or for us to be made everlasting, you must be broken. That aspect, we don't talk too much about it. Every dealing of the Lord with you that does not break you, you are not yet qualified for food or for life that the Lord gives. 
right? So to this man would now look, he with that has a contrite spirit. Abi, is Isaiah what? Sixty-six, right? Thus said the Lord: the, the heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me, and where is the place of my rest? So, for all these things at my hand made, and all those things have been said, have been saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. See that is poor, right? And of a contrite spirit. He that is poor and of a contrite spirit, we must be, see, that poor and contrite heart eh, has to do with breakings. Amen. Has to do with breakings. If a soul is still solid, right, when he's standing before God, he's not yet ready for a life. When life is landing in the soul, every life eh, is a shaking. Is an earthquake. And you have, most of the time when you have earthquakes, you have land shifting. Right? Mm-hmm. Land that is shifting is the land, you know, land is hard too. So, when lands are shifting, lands are breaking. Amen. Lands are what? Breaking. Is a, mm-hmm. They are shifting. It's in that kind of weakness that the Lord arises. Amen. What, is, what, what am I really saying is, see, just be positioned for the Lord to break you, to shift your heart from your ways. When we check it, most of the things that militate against us are our own ways, crafted by the way of a spirit. Although we say our way, but it's not really our own way. It's a way crafted, right, by a course in the spirit. It's a way crafted by a journey in the spirit, which is according to the course of this world, according to the course of the, it's according to the prince of the power of the air. That is a spirit that crafted a course, right, that we are carrying. That when a child is born and wakes up into accountability, that is the world they move into, which the Lord has to empower parents I believe God will help us, amen, to raise our children in the way they should go. Amen. Why? Because the truth of the matter is that this world is not waiting for you and me. The moment they are woken to accountability, kill their spirit and then begin to train them. Why? It's to make them masters of that world. It's to make them journeyers. Or it's to make them calmers. Those that are not commas to God are commas to someone else. And see that coming to God, but we want to now break it down into minute aspect. In any way that we still have a cause within us, we are not coming to God in that area. Amen. What does that mean? It means that all that is inside of you must be coming to God. Amen. All that is what? All that is inside of you must be coming to God. Or all that is inside of you must be journeying in the spirit, must 
the coming to God. I must come to God. I want to come to God. Now, when the Lord is asking you, leave that, take this one instead. We may, when we are struggling, we are not, we are not yet coming to God in that area. We are not yet coming. We are not, we are not yet journeying in the spirit. In that Maybe there's a seed for that that should be planted in the spirit. The spirit is the atmosphere where things flourish, where things grow. They have to move all of your seed into the spirit. Now, the meaning that you can consider all of your knowledge, you can consider all of them as seed in a way that needs to turn to fruit. Amen. Which all that is inside of you must respond to. Amen. So, having begun in the spirit, right, are you not perfect in the flesh? I think this summarizes what I was saying earlier, right? Um, In a sense, when I'm talking about the way you see your journey, Hmm? having begun in the spirit, uh you don't use the eye, you don't use your own judgment, you don't use your own calibrations to judge your journey in this. Are you made perfect in the flesh? It means that you can't take, and again, see this thing, we can draw different different things out of it in the sense that, first of all, right, this is, that is what I'm saying is talking about, okay, the position you take as to judging your own journey, right? Mm-hmm. But it also has to do with your discipline in the spirit, right? If you have begun in the spirit, should you be perfect in the flesh? You don't take everything that the Lord has brought to you with spirit. You don't subject it to flesh to operate it. Yeah. What do I mean by that? It means that it is possible that while the Lord is bringing spirit to you, you can wear a cap called flesh yeah. and use it to operate that. Wow. Right? right. <laughs> it's possible for souls to take what is meant for spiritual journey. Right? Not, not sow it in the right atmosphere. Instead of sowing it in the spirit, right? You can sow it in the flesh. When you sow it in the flesh, it won't grow. What you see is flesh. Why? That seed needs an environment. It needs this spirit to grow. Amen. Praise the Lord. And I'm saying, I know I'm saying many, many things. Right? But one thing I want us to take home right, is that see that aspect of journeying in the spirit and submitting all that is inside of us. We should be awoken to submitting them in the spirit. Or all that is drawing, but that is not coming to God yet within us, we must submit it to God, to come to God. Right? You can think about your coming as different, different, different aspect of you. Maybe they cut, 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 cut into pieces. Right? If they cut us into pieces, they take it one by one. So when they take one of your piece, it should be coming to God. When you take another of your peace, it should be coming to God. When you take another of that peace, it should be coming to God. Amen. Amen. It should all journey 
to God. Because you are beginning a journey in the spirit. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I hope this has strengthened us in a way concerning our journey in the spirit. The way we see our journey, the way we see our life. I believe this one too should also remove some kind of condemnation around the way we see the journey. But, but then have some freedom to launch into life in the spirit. Not, to be, not being ashamed of it. Throw away everything. You, see, you know when you're trying to journey in the spirit and you're concerned, ah, okay, okay, I want, I want to be perfect in your way. That's your own sense. No, be free in the spirit. Move into the spirit. Live in the spirit. Amen. While you are doing that, you will discover some things. Hey, this one is not in the spirit. What should I do? Move into the spirit. Move it into the spirit. If it's not in the spirit, just keep moving it into the spirit. Amen. That's our response. Because every seed that God gives, that he expects fruit from, the only place they can grow is in the spirit. So you have to move them. So all, and another thing is all of our precept yeah. must find their way into the spirit. Because the truth of the matter is that that is where they really grow. How do you get righteousness? It's in the spirit. But what you know about righteousness first, amen? Let me my position. What you know about, you know, well, the way I'm seeing it is when we started learning about righteousness, Honestly, even though it's a spiritual thing, the way it's landing, really, in our heart, is some kind of precept. Yeah. Right? Because later, you know, ah, what is, okay, you know, okay, righteousness is what is right to God. Okay. How do you know what is right to God? It has to be what? Revealed. Okay, if it has to be revealed, what is that? It's precept. It is revealed does not mean it is spirit yet. You get? <laughs> because it is revealed does not mean it is spirit yet. But the righteousness revealed needs to move into the spirit. Right? So that we're not just talking about righteousness here, here, here. And then we're also talking about righteousness with flesh kind of sense. It's possible. We can take righteousness, right? And then submit it to the flesh. It's possible. Amen. 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 If flesh was perfect, it wouldn't be a problem. But you know that flesh is a world, right? That does not belong. Is no flesh is no man's land. Right? Flesh was taken over. Satan took flesh. Amen. And used it. Every life that is devoid of spirit will be fleshy. Meaning that is devoid of ways. If not well handled, can result in a flesh destiny. It can end the destination can be flesh. Amen. It's possible. Just like 
You can know about charity, but don't really have charity. You can also display charity, but not really have charity, like Paul said, if I give my body to be born. But if I ask you, is giving his body to be born, do you think he's just doing something? But it's not just about doing something. It means that he's doing something with an intention. Wow. You know, sometimes when we look at give body to be born, work in charity that is not really charity, we just think about, okay, just did something. It's not just about doing something. Right? He actually did something with an intention. But where the, the, the I don't know, what always separates everything is the heart. So does the heart have Christ? Sense does the heart have God's kind of sense, right? When it's moving, right? Just like somebody can just ah, you know, let me go and donate, just donated, and I just just donated. It costs you nothing, right? Now, when I guess I get this the summary of it, and then I round up is, for example, that about when I'm, I'm trying to explain. No, sowing something in the flesh is that when you have when you have charity that does that does that cost you nothing, you've sown it in the flesh. Why? Because it it costs you nothing. When I say cost, it's not just about maybe you donate and it costs you some money. No. You can give money that costs you nothing. Right? You can give $1,000 that costs you nothing. Right? That's why, you know, David was saying that I will not give to God that which cost me nothing. Now, what's the, the cost is in your soul. Like Jesus was telling the rich man, will you count the cost and follow me? What does it, why, why, why cost? Because there has to be a shift in your heart. There has to be a breaking. There has to be a suffering attached to it. So the real one you talk about charity really is that when you are walking in love and it's costing you, that's when you are truly sowing that life in the spirit. You are sowing it in the spirit. Then you realize later what you are actually learning, right? Why things are costing you is that you're actually learning ways. If when things are costing you in the spirit, you shouldn't think about why is it not why is it not costing this person? Why is it costing me? You know, it's actually out of love again because love does not care about its own, right? It does not it does not vaunt itself? It does not. Uh, does not uh, behave itself unseemly. It does not uh, seek its own. So there are different, different, different things that, but the summisha is that when you are moving into the spirit, it would cost you. It must cost you. Every comma has a price they pay. When you are an unbeliever, you don't have any price you are paying. Right? You don't. There's no price you are paying as an unbeliever. When you become a, when you are now born again and they make you a comer, then things are costing you. Why? Because every year you must come first with an offering 
Offering will cost you because it's taken out of your stock. It will cost you. It has to cost you. Then they sacrifice it. Then take the blood into the most holy. It, the Lord is not requiring of anybody that which cost. No, that cost aspect is a person must fall in love with. It should cost me. It should cost me. And there's another part to that too, right? Where it, it can, it, well, okay, it's not really costing me. If I use that example, it's not really costing me, right? Because it's possible to work in love and it's not costing you. You just fear love, love fear, you fear kind of love. You know, and you are just afraid of something or you're afraid of being uh, labored somehow. And then you quickly walk in, ah, no, 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 okay. You feel maybe it cost you. No, it didn't cost anything. When it comes to life in the spirit, as it cost me, when it cost me, what did the Lord shift in my heart? How has my heart been repositioned? How has it been changed? How am I being positioned to view the Lord? Because everything that costs you will change, will position you. Souls don't face the east right from the beginning. You don't face east. You know, Israel, they must face east to pray. That's where the, where the temple is. Wherever they, when they took them into captivity, like, like Daniel, they took them into captivity. And once they were taken into captivity, they have to pray. And when they pray, they have to face the tabernacle. They say, we are, well, well, okay, this is, okay, that's the east here. That's, that should be the east. Okay, well, this is, yeah, that's the east. When they are praying, they have to face the east when they pray. It's a positioning in the spirit. Every soul that is born again does not face east. If you can use south, right? But opposite of east, west, but even in everlasting life, western, where, oh, it's Trisha. Universal life is a different thing, a different setup. Right? You have the north and south. Then you have the east. Right? Where you did not take, the west is blocked. Amen. There's no door there, nobody takes that. Right? So in the spirit, most souls are facing a different direction. Let's say west. But when the Lord begins to move them, when we get born again, the first thing is we just, in a way, we turn. But we're not fully turned, really. We're not fully turned, right? And then it's when we now begin to move into the, into the kingdom. Then we are now turning and we are now facing, facing the east. Maybe somehow our, our body is facing the east, but inside of our soul, we, are, we may not be configured towards the east to start the desiring to pass through there. We'll be configured in a way. But what the Lord needs to do is, the Lord needs to shift our heart, shift our mind, our heart, our position spiritually to face him so we can sow our life in the spirit. We can sow our life in the spirit. Amen. Are we blessed today? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I pray that the Lord would strengthen us and give us grace to begin to follow after life in the spirit. That the Lord would give us grace to, to learn, to, to have a shift in the spirit, being positioned accurately for life in the spirit. That the Lord would give grace to our hearts to, to take a shift 
whenever we're having difficulty shifting to, to truly begin a journey in the spirit, the truth of the matter is that beginning in the spirit, you're not just in one place. You begin in the spirit in Christ. Then you also, when you get to God, you also begin in the spirit again. Well, you are, you're already in the spirit, but you're just beginning another thing. right? Because when you move into the beginning, they call that realm the beginning. Right? Mm-hmm. When you move into the realm of the beginning, it's another beginning. It's a new beginning. Amen. I pray that the Lord will give us grace that we would respond to grace to shift into the spirit that we will begin properly that our journey that has begun in in the spirit will not end in the flesh. Why? Because when it ends in the flesh, it becomes useless for the soul. That's part of what Paul was trying to address in Galatians. Ah, come on. Have you begun in the spirit? Are you, why, why are you drawing back? Oh, foolish. It's a, it's a foolish step for spirit or for souls to start in the spirit. Meaning, you can be exposed to the knowledge of God and all those kind of things, but end it still in the flesh. It's possible. Right? It's possible. But I want to pray that the Lord would help us that we receive grace to sow all that we are receiving in the spirit. That will bring them into the right spiritual climate by the earth. Can we just begin to pray? Let's pray, Father. We pray, Lord Jesus, that all that you are supplying, we will find grace, grace to submit it into the spirit. For it to, to land in the spirit. That we will submit it. We submit ourselves to you spiritually. Oh, Marana Kayama, who receive grace to yield, to turn, to sow everything. The wisdom, is a key, the wisdom to sow in the spirit that you will supply, because that might be missing. Can we pray for wisdom to sow all that we are, we have all precepts that we might have come into that are not yet turned to fruit. That the Lord will receive grace for us. To to sow them in the spirit. And in doing so, we are coming to God. We are coming to God. Can we pray? That we will come to God fully in all that is in and out of us. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We give you all the praise. For in Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Father, we thank you for today. We give you all the praise. Father, we thank you for your word. We say we are exalted in Jesus' name. And we pray that, Lord, to strengthen every heart today, to journey in the spirit, to respond to you accurately in the spirit, in the name of Jesus. We want to journey in the spirit. We don't want to end all that you've given us in the flesh. We want them to all end in the spirit. But I will ask that you supply grace and mercy for to turn all that is within us. We submit them into the spirit. We'll be a fruit to you. We'll give you fruit, precious, sweet fruit to drink in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, because you've answered our prayers. We give you all the praise. For in Jesus' mighty name, you dwell between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwell between the cherubim, shine forth. You